Father, we thank you for the time that we're able to come together and to study your word. We thank you for the reminder that we had in song and word of our salvation, that you worked out in eternity past, that was planned and agreed upon by the Godhead, that Christ, God the Son, came to earth for the working of salvation. And now, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we continue to grow in our sanctification. And we, and we have been sealed and are waiting for, in our view, that future time where we stand glorified. And we receive... And we see fully what we have hope for now in eternity with Christ. Without, and we are without ills or ails or sin or anything else. So Father, as we come to study this passage, we, we pray that we will understand it better. That we will be able to rejoice and, and uh, rejoice when things come our way. Spend time in prayer and continue to offer thanks to you. Father, we pray these things in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been preparing to gather with friends and family for Thanksgiving. Uh, we wanted to spend some time, well, we wanted to spend some time focusing on Thanksgiving from a Christian perspective. And, we, and over the last few weeks, we've done that as we've looked at thankfulness as praise from Psalm 100. We've looked at giving as a means of expressing thanksgiving. And that the most important thing that we have to be thankful for is our salvation. This morning, we're going to look at a familiar passage in 1 Thessalonians, where we, we will see an element of God's will for our life. So let's take a quick look at our verses this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, why do I say this is God's will for our lives? Well, it's mentioned there in verse 18. But verses 16, 17, and 18 are actually all one sentence. Each of those verbs that we have there are commands with the same subject, the understood you of a, of a command verb. You rejoice. You pray. You give thanks in everything. And the clause at the end of verse 18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, refers to all three of these commands. So let's look at these verses that we have here and what Paul's intention is here and how these things are God's will for our life. So first, we're going to look at verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 16, rejoice always. Now, in verse 16, we have the first of our three rapid-fire commands that Paul is giving. Three commands given in this staccato fashion, one right after the other. Now, first, we have rejoice always. So let's, let's look at these two words at the beginning of, of this sentence. The word rejoice is pretty simple. It means to rejoice or be glad. But the, 
excuse me, the sense of the word is the idea of feeling happiness or joy. And the other word always, pretty simple, means always, at all times, on every occasion. So what's the point of the verse? What what does Paul mean by telling the Thessalonians to rejoice always? Well, Paul uses this command, this use of this command, excuse me, seems to fit with his do even more that he has been, that we've seen, that you'll see varying passages in this book. Uh, In chapter one, he had mentioned to the the Thessalonians joy when they received the word of God. And he had mentioned the joy he had because of them in chapters two and three. So what Paul is trying to get across with this statement is that real joy doesn't depend on outside circumstances. It doesn't depend on people, but depends only on one's relationship to God, which as a Christian is permanent and unchanging. So we should understand that we should have joy about our standing with God whether we are going through good times or bad. Paul reminded the Corinthians of this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not, which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, we should also remember that being joyful is a choice that we have to make. One author writes, but we should remember that we have a part in this joy. We are the ones commanded to be joyful. It is a choice, a deliberate response that focuses on the grace and goodness of God. We can see an example of this in in Jesus with what the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of, the, of God. For consider him who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So God wants us to be joyful or to express joy no matter what our situation is, whether it is good or bad. As Christians, our standing with God should be enough to keep us joyful. So because of this blessings that we have from God, we should always be joyful. But, be, but of course, our human nature makes this difficult. We look at our circumstances around us and it's hard to be joyful with certain things or at certain times. But if we take the time to stop and remember the blessings that we have from God, whether physical or spiritual, then we should be or should choose to be joyful. 
The psalmist in Psalm 118 verse 24 writes, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We need to remember this verse on good days and bad days. I've done it before, but it's a helpful reminder that this verse, of this verse, and this is a verse for us to remember on different days and even to pray this verse. It's been a while since I've done this, uh, but, and I remember a, a professor of mine in college did this as well. If we wake up in the morning and we recite or pray this verse, it seems to at least help us out through the day. The hard part is going to be when something happens. Because remember, being joyful is a deliberate choice. The hard part comes when something happens and changes our circumstances. It's still the day the Lord has made, whether a good thing happens or a bad thing happens. So now, are you going to be joyful with the bad circumstances during the day as much as you were joyful through the good? And this is something that we can work on every day of the year. And this is why Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds the readers of 1 Thessalonians to rejoice. Well, now let's look at verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, verse 17. The next command that comes to us in this rapid-fire fashion is to pray without ceasing. We've got three words here in English and Greek. We really only have two. And we're going to look at these words as well. The first word that we have is pray. We've looked at this word before. It's a very common word for prayer. And it's the idea simply to make a request to God, whether personal or as a prayer of intercession for somebody else. And the other word that we have is translated as without ceasing. The idea here is a tireless or persistent request. Now, this is a familiar command, especially from Paul. This is the statement he has used um, similar in, in varying passages in a similar way. Uh, we see it in Romans 12, 12, Colossians 4, 2, and Ephesians 6, 18. Now, Paul is not saying that we need to constantly be mumbling a prayer or reciting a prayer. He's not saying that we engage in these vain repetitions but he is trying to get across the idea to never give up praying. That part of this is the idea of our attitude. Paul is trying to get across that we, that we should have an attitude of prayer or that our attitude should be that of reverence to God throughout the day. Warren Wiersbe explains it this way. Pray without ceasing does not mean we must always be mumbling prayers. The word means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. We are to, and this may throw uh, younger generations off, we are to keep the receiver off the hook. Um, we're to keep the receiver off the hook and be in touch with God so that our praying is part of a long conversation that is not broken. 
Now, Matthew Henry makes an interesting connection between verses 16 and 17. He says, note the way to rejoice evermore is to pray without ceasing. We should rejoice more if we prayed more. We should keep up stated times of prayer and continue instant in prayer. We should pray always and not faint. Pray without weariness and continue in prayer till we come to that world where prayer shall be swallowed up in praise. The meaning is not that men should do nothing but pray, but that nothing else we do should hinder prayer in its proper season. So this command to pray without ceasing is not that we are to be praying every word, every second of every moment of the day and not get anything else done. We're not being told to go be months and and cloister ourselves someplace and not get anything done, where we just spend all our time in prayer all the time. The idea is that we are in such an attitude or in such a state with our relationship with God that no matter where we are at any time of the day, we can simply and should simply offer a prayer to the Lord. Whether it is a request for ourselves, whether it is uh, an intercession for someone else, taking someone else's request to the Lord, or whether it is a spontaneous moment of praise and thanksgiving. Just pray. So now let's look at Paul's third command in verse 18. Give thanks in verse 18. Give thanks. Here in verse 18, Paul tells us to give thanks in everything. Let's start by looking at a couple of the words that we have here. First, everything. The word means all, every, or each. So everything is certainly a good translation of the word. The sense that this word is giving that of each. The sense of the word is each. Now, what do I mean by that? The word is used in this sense with the idea of counting. It's the idea that every individual item should be considered. The obvious illustration that we have before us with this is election ballots. Everyone wants every single ballot to be counted, to be individually considered. Whether that's the digital machine counting accurately, or whether it's a living person visually inspecting and going over the ballot. That's the sense of the word, each and every one to be individually considered. So our daily experiences, every one, is to be considered individually and we should give thanks for them. Now, the word that we have here for give thanks is a single word in the Greek. And really, someone could translate this word rejoice. Why do I say that? Because this word comes from the word we have for rejoice in verse 16. That is the root word of this word give thanks. Plus, so in verse 18 is very similar. The idea of verse 18 is very similar to the idea that we have in verse 16, that we we are rejoicing, that we are giving thanks in every situation, whether good or bad, difficult or easy. 
Now, this word is used in the sense of being thankful. The idea is to be impressed with a feeling of gratitude for kindness and that one is willing to acknowledge that received kindness. Our giving thanks for all things does not mean that all things are good. They're not necessarily all good experiences. Like I said, it is similar to the concept of verse 16. Good or bad, difficult or easy, whatever, we are to give thanks to God. But why? Why are we to give thanks in every situation? One source puts it this way. A thankful spirit does not come naturally to the most of us. Certainly, it pushes us beyond our natural capacities when difficult or painful situations invade our life. This command to be thankful, no matter what happens, is possible only by God's grace. When we can agree with God that he works all things out for good to those who love him and are committed to obedience, Romans 8, 28, then we can thank him. So really, why are we to give thanks in every situation? Because we know that every situation, God is working out for our good, especially if we are believers. And we are going to have to rely on his grace. We're going to have to rely on the spirit. To really be able to give thanks in all situations is difficult. And it, and it is probably more than our natural tendencies would like it to be. Certainly, it is easy to complain. And if we're complaining, then we're not rejoicing. If we're complaining, we're certainly not giving thanks. And more than likely, we're not praying either. Remember back to Ephesians 5.20, where Paul makes a similar statement. Paul writes, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes this statement after he tells the Ephesians to be filled by the Holy Spirit. This is one of the results of being filled by the Spirit. As we are filled by the Spirit, we are able to give thanks no matter what comes our way. Because we know that as we are loving and obeying God and seek to be committed to him, God works out all things for our good. Romans 8.28 Now, this is not health and wealth. You're going to have bad experiences. God doesn't promise an easy life. Don't misunderstand what is being said here with, if I pray enough, if I'm rejoiceful enough, if I'm giving thanks enough, then my life is going to be perfect. That's not going to happen. The only time we are going to be without sin is when we stand before God in our glorified bodies after Christ has taken us home, whether by rapture or through death. Now, we've looked at these three commands Paul has given the Thessalonians. Paul ends verse 18 with the phrase, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Now, really, whenever we see that in the New Testament, the phrase, this is the will of God, we should sit up and pay attention. Too often, people say, I don't know what the will of God is for my life, or ask, how do I know what the will of God is? Now, while these verses, this sentence is not individually specific, it is specific enough for every follower of Christ. These three commands, rejoice, pray, give thanks, are part of God's general will for the lives of Christians. And as we have just touched on, we can't necessarily do these things on our own. These are choices that we're going to have to make, and we're going to need the assistance of the Holy Spirit. The easy thing to do is to complain. The easy thing to do is to not pray. The easy thing to do is just grumble and murmur. The easy thing to do is to give into our sin nature. But as, we look, but as we looked at just last week, if we have truly accepted Christ as our Savior, then we are able to overcome our sin nature because the Spirit is working in our lives and helping us in our growth and sanctification. Part of our sanctification is giving thanks, spending time in prayer, having that attitude of being able to speak to God whenever because we know he's there and having a joyful heart, choosing joy over choosing to complain. Now, I'll be the first to say I am not perfect in this. Okay, I struggle with choosing joy a lot of the time. But as we continue to grow in Christ and yield control of our lives to the Spirit, then these things become easier. And choosing joy and giving thanks become second nature. I don't remember who said it, but prayer has been said that it is, prayer is the heir of the Christian. We pray Prayer should be so easy that it's like just taking a breath. So let's try and focus. Let's try and do what we can in our lives to remember to, be, to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks no matter what happens. I told you it was going to be short. Let's, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to study your word this morning. We're grateful for the reminders that Paul gave to us and these commands that, and, and the reminders that we have that you want us to be joyful. You want us to give thanks to you you want us to be spending time in prayer and have this relationship with you so that we can look at every situation and know you're involved. You've allowed it or you're doing it more directly as, as for our good. 
Help us to understand that everything, that nothing catches you by surprise. And as believers, we know that everything will work out for our good, for our growth. And sometimes, when we see a bad situation, sometimes you're chastening us, you're disciplining us, bringing us back to you. Sometimes you allow a trial into our lives to grow us. Help us to remember that even in these times, we need to give thanks and rejoice because they're evidence of good of you in our lives. But even in times of peace and joy, we know that you are in our lives. Father, as we come to close our service now, we pray that we will uh, keep these commands in our hearts and try and live them out every day. We pray that this time of Thanksgiving that we are celebrating as a church, that it will be a good time of fellowship for us, but honoring and glorifying to you. And as we will be spending time with family in, in this odd year, Later this week, Lord, we pray that no matter what, our thanks will be directed to you and that you will be honored and glorified then as well. We pray these things, Father, in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One final hymn as we close. This will be... Um, Letter A there, under, uh, just open your uh, hymnal to the front cover. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Uh, letter A there, we'll go through just one time. And if you're able to, please stand as we sing through the doxology. himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful you also will do it amen thank you are dismissed